0: Hello and welcome back to The Creatives, everybody. I'll be your host, Ramsey, joined today by Mr. Christopher Snow, who is a director of photography and cinematographer. They're the same thing, aren't they? Same thing. D.O.P cinematographer. I glorified
1: videographer. If Glor- you know. <laughs> a self-proclaimed cinematographer. DLP. I love it.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we're joined today by by Mr. Chris Snow, um, and this is episode 17 of The Creatives. The Creatives podcast is a show where we explore creativity through conversation and we've had some very excellent conversations along the way and there's so many more that have yet to happen and I'm excited for our conversation today, kinda gonna dive into what you do, who you are, how you do it, and I'm looking forward to it, Chris.
1: Me too. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nice, well, welcome. Um, Before we dive in, I wanna let you know, the viewers, the listeners, that uh, we are sponsored by Minute Hour Studios, which is where we're recording today. This is a studio rental uh, facility. You can rent this place and build your own sets. minute our studios has graciously given you a discount which will be in the description of this you can find their website and all of that information down below again big shout out to our editor Ryan who's been working hard to get these episodes out on time and a big thank you to you for listening because we're making these for you I mean for us they're fun they're fun to make but also uh, I hope they bring you value and I hope they inspire you to um, create um, so without further ado Chris, I'll tell you a little bit about the show, how it started, how we got here, and then we'll kind of dive into you. So the Creators Podcast started as like a little side project. It was an idea in my head. It mater- I was doing lots of video production, and I, I, want, I wanted to get into like kind of content creation and making like YouTube videos, and it wasn't exactly what I was best at, but I liked conversation. I liked uh, lighting. I liked audio, all this stuff, so podcasting made sense so the creatives came to be when I saw that there was so many creative people in the city and I just wanted to know what they were up to how they were doing things how they were thinking what they were challenged by and it just kind of materialized into this thing and here we are now 17 episodes later chatting with you it's uh, a lot of people in and around the any like video production design creative just all sorts of stuff so to kick it off, I want to ask you, Chris, what does creativity mean to you?
1: That's a question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> right off the bat. Man, creativity is so much. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, without sounding too corny, creativity is kind of what gets you out of bed every day, or what gets me out of bed every day. Nice. Um, maybe it's sort of the, that sort of like searching for something to, I mean, to create as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I think I'm talking in circles here, but... Um, yeah. It's, it's, for me, it kind of equates with this sort of like sense of discomfort. I feel like where I need to do something. And yeah. I think creativity fills that sort of gap. Interesting. With me. So like maybe not so much a definition of creativity, but more so what creativity is for me like how it plays out in your life yeah yeah I, i'd say unknown. it's like, like it's exploring kind of it's a it's a means of sustenance <laughs> self-sustenance interesting, yeah, yeah like i feed off creativity and like that's not just cool. being creative but also being around people who are creative and doing stuff cool. like this which is really fun nice man yeah. that's awesome
0: yeah, it, yeah it's cool because it 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 has the textbook definition where it's in the box and it it means a certain thing but i find it it's more than that like i i we we love to put things in a box and as a society label stuff as mm-hmm. like this is a cup. This is another cup. This is book. Like, but I mean, th- we are dynamic. Humans are weird and dynamic. And like, there's so much more to the way we create. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool to hear your definition or your, what it means to you. Cause then it helps me understand. It helps people understand maybe what, what it means to them. Um, but I want to ask you, Chris, what, like, can you tell me your origin story? How did you end up here? Okay. <laughs> I mean, so maybe you drove here today, today, but how did you end up? <clears throat> I did drive here today. Yeah. As a, yeah. as a. D.O.P. cinematographer, glorified videographer.
1: <laughs> so, okay. Um, basically, um, way back, let's go to grade 9, 10. Um, okay. My parents were pretty artistic, although my mom was like a civil servant, and mm-hmm. my dad was like a sales rep. Nice. Um, so they're both kind of somewhat retired. My dad's actually still working in a creative field, which is kind of cool, which we'll get into later. Nice. I'll um, give them a little plug. But, um, yeah, so... I was in a grade nine, 10, it was like a two year high school media class where we, I mean, the main emphasis was darkroom photography, okay. which was pretty cool. It was like a, I can't even, how, how old was I in grade nine? I'm 34. It was like 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. somewhere what, around. Dark darkroom photography is that yeah. like film? Yeah. So black and white film photography. So you okay. know, you'd go out with your, you know, you, you'd buy your roll of film from the teacher for a discounted price and then you'd go out and take a bunch of random photos. You'd have like photo assignments like every week, basically. That's so cool yeah and um, the teacher was really cool she'd like really push you to like to sort of capture different things different subject matter try out different techniques like double exposures and like you start with the very basics you'd make like a contact sheet where you lay a bunch of like things that mean something to you out on like a piece of darkroom paper Mm you go into the darkroom, or sorry a piece of uh, photo paper and then you expose it um with the enlarger with you know no no negative in it or anything it just leaves like an imprint of whatever you put on the paper on the paper it's like the most basic form of uh, photography development it's like what there's they used no camera to do. involved no though? camera involved with that that was just like a, that was like our first assignment basically. okay cool. but anyways I'm going too in-depth into the no don't there. don't worry
0: I like that I want I yeah. wanted to dive deep into those roots but yeah carry on I'm
1: gonna tie it all back in together at the end here but um <laughs> so yeah then fast forward to um to Sejap where like CEGEP is the Quebec version of college. It's, okay. yeah, you basically go grade After 11 grade 12, and then two years of CEGEP and then to university. There's no okay. grade 12, it's just grade 11, yeah. Okay, so grade 11, then it's like yeah. 12, 13, almost grade 12. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, right. cool. But it's more university structured, so like you have university style courses, you have mm-hmm. like, your, your, your classes are structured differently too. It doesn't feel as restrictive as high school did, okay. in my opinion. So of it least. is a post-secondary Correct. thing, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, you could take nursing and stuff like that. It's oh, like cool. Algonquin College even, yeah. That's cool but I think it's mandatory in Quebec, or at least it's one of those things that, that people been do. Yeah. Yeah. I was 17 I, when I started university. Dude, I was yeah. confused as shit. I didn't know oh, what I was I, doing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was confused as shit when I got yeah. out of Sejap. Uh, so um, anyways, so I took social science in Sejap. No art-related stuff, really. Mm. Um I basically chased one of my ex-girlfriends to Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, she was like, oh, I'm going to go to McGill. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll apply to school in Montreal and see if I get in. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, I can take photos. So um, I applied to Concordia. Nice. Um, to their BFA for fine arts, uh, photography specific. And I got in somehow. Cool. Um, I guess I had an okay portfolio at the time. So, so you were using your high school portfolio of
0: film. Not even. I, I built one. Like, you built one? Yeah, okay. Oh, built was it all one. based around film? Stuff? No, it was or all digital. digital? Like, okay. I,
1: yeah, I wasn't even really doing a whole lot of film. Interesting, um, but the Concordia program is all film. Okay, and then it's all art-based. So, like the the extent of like how you make money through that program is like there was a class on writing grants. It wasn't commercial at all. Like there was no commercial wow. instruction or sort of like know-how given to you necessarily. Um, is how to be a successful artist, which I think was great too. Um, that is really cool. But yeah, um, film photography is great because. I'd say it's like somewhat high consequence and, and high expense as well. So like you have to get really good at exposing the image mm-hmm. and um, framing and, and everything because like you've got like, I don't know if you're doing medium format, you've got 10 to 12 shots on a roll and a roll is like 12 bucks. And as a student, that's pretty expensive. So mm-hmm. even as an adult, it's pretty expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Especially I, when I, you shoot a lot. Yeah. I
0: know I'd, I'd love to shoot film because it slows me down. It's yeah. like, it forces me to focus on composition and, framing and just like okay limited shots they mean more they are expensive yeah each shot a couple dollars Mm -hmm. and i
1: like what you said about high consequence yeah and and there's the process of like Mm -hmm. not only high consequence but it's a lot of work too right so you want to make sure that you nail your initial image Mm -hmm. as best you can before you go into what limited post-production tools you have in film at least Mm -hmm. mind you you can still scan your negatives and stuff we did that as well but Mm Um, so yeah, we did medium format, large format, 35 mil. Um, cool. I tended to gravitate towards the large fam- format photography just because like i I love high resolution stuff and I love big prints. Mm-hmm. Um, so the video is a bit of a struggle at first when I was like shooting on like 5D Mark IIs at 1080p, like coming from like a high resolution <laughs> photography world. I was like, this is so not sharp, mm-hmm. you know, like, because um, you
0: entered the space when there weren't FX3 Sony's and Red exactly. Komodos and all yeah, that stuff, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So,
1: um, anyway, so yeah, I did university, um, and then uh, finished university, didn't really do anything with the arts degree. I just hmm. I got it. I was like, cool. I got a university degree. This is great. I have BFA. Um, what they used to call it in the program was a bachelor of all. <laughs> you can bleep that out if you want. That's fine. Um, I'm kidding, but I'm super grateful to have it. And honestly, I think it has helped me like exponentially in terms of how I go about sort of constructing the frame and like yeah, perfecting things right off the bat, like getting the best possible image in camera and then bringing that into post. Mm-hmm. So that like, not only does it save you a little bit of time in post, it also, I think it's just like a testament to like your skill, if you're able to do that and was, not have to do too much damage control.
0: Mm-hmm. That was, I was going to ask you about, cause I, I saw on your kind of bio on your website about how you went to Concordia and you worked with all sorts of film. I was going to ask you how that, translates to digital and you kind of answer that, but can you elaborate a little bit more on that? How your the, <clears throat> the high consequence nature yeah. and the kind of, you know, un like there's a finite amount mm-hmm. of shots in the film world and it's, there's a whole bunch of things that make it, uh, different than digital. How has that translated to your work in the digital space?
1: Yeah, so I, I always say like I, I, I take it back to like being in the dark room and like you know watching your photo come to life on that piece of like paper when it's in the developer. Like I find mm-hmm. when you bring your your log footage into like DaVinci Resolve or Premiere Pro or whatever, yeah, and then like you, you know you rec seven or nine, you slap a lot on it really quick just to be like, oh okay cool, it's good, you know <laughs> like, because um, you get to a certain point where like you know it's gonna be good, but I, I personally like every time I do a shoot, I get home. And I back up my footage like multiple times and then I drop it into Resolve and I slap a lot on it and I like line everything up in the timeline. I'm like, cool, awesome. Cause I also don't like coming back to things that aren't started. Interesting. Um, Cause I, I move fast and I do deal in a fairly high volume of shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anyways, back the, the digital analog thing. So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's where I kind of make that connection and there's that like a similarity in my brain that you know, with, the, with the developing and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: cool. I do the same thing yeah. with, with grading footage. Like, yeah. I, I come home, the first thing I do is back up the footage because yeah. I'm just terrified of, well, of you have to, yeah. losing stuff. And But I do the same thing where I, uh, I color grade it. I find it's sometimes more fun to edit graded footage. Oh, me too. Than yeah, it yeah, is yeah, yeah. to edit the log. Yeah. I'm I know there's the whole like patience of like, it's the last piece of the whole project. Yeah. After you've done everything, you just color grade it. But I find it sometimes helps me to visualize the final. Yeah image or like the final product, right? Yeah. It gets you in the zone a little mm-hmm. bit more for That's sure. Cool. Um, so I understand that you are a DOP director yeah. of photography, cinematographer, you've maybe fill a lot of different hats. Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do
1: now with video? Sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll take it back to you because my history is actually not done yet. Oh, it's not. Oh, carry was, on. Yeah. It's kind of long, but, um, Anyways, so I moved back from Montreal when I met my now wife, um, mm-hmm. and she was running a creative, uh, like, a magazine, a publication at the time called Heard Magazine. Cool. Um, which focused on lots of, like, you know, arts, music, culture, the various, like, cool goings on in Ottawa, which I thought was great, too, because, like, I left Ottawa because I was like, ugh, Ottawa, I should go live in Montreal because Montreal is super cool. Um, and coming back to Ottawa, like, whatever, five, six years later, I was like, holy smokes, there's, like, so much cool stuff going on, and, like... You know be at the restaurant scene like music scene like art scene craft shows whatever what have you like there's so many like i feel like people like myself who like left ottawa then came back and did a bunch of cool stuff and now ottawa is like fully on the map as far as like cool things go mm-hmm. um so i ended up like sliding into a photog- like a photo editor role for the magazine so i was like kind of curating all the photography content and you know lining up shoots doing a lot of the shoots myself. Photoshoots, photoshoots, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got like I got my start in photography, okay. Um, and then when I started doing more of that too, I went to VizTech and I was like, I'm gonna lease a camera, at least a 6D with a kit lens. And I was like, I'm You're gonna doing lease it. cameras. Yeah, man. All right, well, you you finance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. so. Um, so I did that and I was like, okay, we're doing it. Like we're going in, like, I was kind of doing like carpentry and stuff like as well and yeah. not, you know, just destroying my hands basically <laughs> like yeah. mangling myself. Um, cause I'm clumsy and not, not super good at that kind of thing. <laughs> like I love doing it, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not my calling.
0: I don't still think have all 10 fingers. Right? I do for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: good. so yeah, then fast forward a little beyond that. I met Remy who was on the podcast before Remy Terrio. Yeah. And, um, I had because of my film background. He he is also works heavily in like film photography or and uh, the fine arts sort of like side of things as mm-hmm. well as the commercial side, which I thought was super cool. So I met him at um, some party, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, man, uh, why don't you come in like, you know, maybe like one two days a week, and like, you know, you can help me like scan my negatives and like, you know, sort of catalog my 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 work." And I was like, "Oh man, that'd be amazing, you know." He's like, "I know how to scan negatives. That's great." So. Um, I got in with Remy and then like, I don't know, it was like a month in, I, I was working five, six days a week for him. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. And I, then was it
0: at the studio in Westboro? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This was right around the time where he was opening House of Common.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. So he brought me on and then he taught me so much stuff in the photography realm. Um, and I ended up shooting with him mm-hmm. and for him. And then, yeah, and, you know, I can't say enough good things about Remy. And, He's a cool and, dude. I mean, oh, I yeah.
0: spent a couple hours with him, yeah. uh, on the episode we did it was like episode <clears throat> 13 or 14. Yeah. And I just like he's just a very interesting dynamic person yeah. and he's there's so much uh I guess he has so many stories like there's yeah. so much to learn from Remy like I was just sitting yeah. there like oh my goodness I need to
1: I want to have him back on the show yeah because <laughs> I feel like there's so much more we didn't even get into tip of the iceberg but yeah. he, the cool thing too is he's got a teaching degree so That's he's cool. he's a very good teacher which is something I kind of wish I was better at I'm very much not mm-hmm. necessarily like
0: good at teaching
1: not good at teaching at least in like a in the moment sort of like it's it's challenging yeah. and I, I mean
0: do you know justin yeah jvl i'm oh, sure yeah. he works yeah, yeah. he's worked so he mentioned like that you don't have to be a teacher yeah. and like the the we're under the impression that you must teach people how to do stuff mm-hmm. if you make stuff like because everyone just goes on the internet and says hey this is how i did this mm-hmm. and now i'm gonna teach you how to get a million dollar business and all yeah exactly <laughs> but it, it is challenging though but that's um so yeah, back to, so House of Common, like where you, you were growing, this was early on in your career. Like this was this yeah. your first, like really, yeah, this was,
1: this was when I made the push to be like a full-time photographer so, Okay, that's cool. Uh, or assistant and photographer mm-hmm. and or just so, doing it as a full-time job correct. like you were yeah, not doing, yeah, anything, not doing anything on the side. Yeah. Cool. So I worked with Remy for gosh, for like five, six years and we still shoot together occasionally as well. That's amazing. Um, we just did a really cool series of videos for the Ottawa arts council, um, which are like. They're not well we kind of frame them for the for the production as master classes but they're basically artists sharing skills on like nfts and like cool. patreon and stuff like that and it's a free resource for um for artists who may not have that knowledge to sort of like dip into and that's cool is it yeah. anyone can access it anyone can it? access it yeah they're free they're on the ottawa arts council website yeah.
0: cool i think you linked you put something about it on yeah, your. yeah we've been sort of bouncing Instagram. it around the the social media yeah stuff i'll for, put i'll put all of chris's stuff down below so you can check it out i love your cinematography like oh, I look you. at your behind the scenes your stories your frames and I'm just like wow like it's it's so simple it's seemingly so simple I know there's a lot of experience and technique that goes into creating the images that you yeah. do but it's really satisfying when you show like you're we're just in this random meeting room and then you see the frame and you're like oh my goodness like it's cool yeah where did you learn how to where did you learn cinematography and lighting and all that stuff?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll continue the history and I'll segue into that because Mm -hmm. um, so basically in 2018, when there was that huge sort of like or 2017, 2018, there was that big cannabis boom where they were going to legalize weed, right? Um, We got contracted by one company and we were working there like two, three days a week um, for like months in a row kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's when we really started filming a lot of video. Um, So there's definitely a lot of trial and error like at the beginning because with, with doing video style stuff, you need, you need proper lights, you need good audio, you can't really half-ass too much stuff. And you know, as much as I say, like, or sorry, as much as people say, or like I like to say, it's not necessarily about the gear. With video, it kinda is about the gear to some degree, like yeah. le- as long as you have a good baseline in terms of like audio capture and like some lights. Um, you can make it work without lights, but you also need to be able to manipulate the light if you have to, so yeah. you, know, you could do a whole thing with just scrims and negative fill and no lights whatsoever, Yeah, Um, but you need to know how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think, like, over the years, I kind of just, I started lighting my video stuff like I lit photography stuff, because I was doing both at the same time, and, Mm -hmm. like, really flat, and, like, my photography style was very, I don't know, I liked, uh, like, Kinfolk Magazine and stuff like that, and did some fashion stuff as well, but it was always very, like, a very even clean, not too much contrast kind of look. Um, whereas my video style is like exponentially different now. It's like very moody and very contrasty and like very, like I'd say saturated and rich in terms of color, which personally I really like. Um, that was always a thing back in the day with doing photography. Like I always kind of struggled to like find that sort of vibe in photos mm. or create that vibe in photos where for some reason it's a lot easier with, with, with video and I feel that cinema style stuff. I, and I don't know why that is, but it just, it clicks a little better. Yeah.
0: I I did start with photography too. That's kind of how I first got a camera in my hand. And then I just, I wasn't, wasn't doing it for, I still love photography. Me too. It's my like, it's my side. It's like what I do for fun, photography, Mm -hmm. film photography. Uh, I, I love doing it for fun. I do some of it for the work that I do, but Mm -hmm. it's cool. But video, video is a never ending onion of there's always more (laughs) to it that you can learn.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's tons of like awesome resources out there too, like where Mm -hmm. you can sort of learn different techniques and stuff like that. Um, Funny enough, like I got a lot of my sort of knowledge and know how from another podcast, like The Wandering DP, which I'm I've heard of that. I've heard of of his YouTube channel. I don't know if he's a podcast. He's he's mainly a podcast now. Oh wow, that's cool. Um and he'll have um Sky Patrick O'Sullivan. He has other DPs and and people in the film world, mainly DPs though, in on the podcast and he'll talk to them about their process. Um he also does lighting breakdowns. He has a Patreon as well and stuff. So he you can go in and pay and get like paid content that Mm -hmm. Um, You can follow along with where he'll explain like how he lit a scene and he'll fully break down like a commercial shoot for you and that's cool Stuff, but he's also created this sort of framework Within which that you know, you can work and it's very replicable and you basically identify all the factors You can't control and then you adapt to that So every time you walk into a space, you're like, okay giant window nothing I can do about that especially like in the context of a smaller crew obviously, which is kind of How I work on a Mm day-to-day I work with one one or two more people, right? you know we don't necessarily have like you know massive cranes or anything like we can't beam lights in through the windows we can't do that so we're we're really kind of trying to mitigate a bunch of different factors and, mm-hmm. and make it as controlled and nice looking as we can
0: that's cool so i guess that that stresses the importance of a little bit of preparation and location scouting before honestly if you, if you can not even not even like, like let's I, just and, walk in okay there's a giant window there <laughs> yeah work with it
1: to be fair like i think the more you do work the more sort of tools you can sort of put in your toolbox in terms of like you know you, spaces will always share something in common so you're always working within there's always gonna be something but mm-hmm. um i'm losing my train of thought sorry that's all good but yeah so there's very very few times there's like there's a location scout or anything like that mm-hmm. there is if it's like kind of more of like a high value shoot but mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's really quick, you know, it's, it's based on schedules of like students or professors or like people who have like, you know, like no time to do the things that we're doing and they don't want to be there. So, and I think that's part of the reason why I love it so much is because like you get tossed into the fire, like every single day almost, <laughs> yeah. and you have to problem solve like crazy. And you really have to come up with something that, um, that looks good, that sounds good. And I think that's what really keeps me coming back is like that sort of like you never know what every day is gonna hold. Like I love mm. the the more produced shoots and stuff, but I do think it's a good muscle to work now and again when when you have to go in and just like
0: you, you have a couple of like, things you may, you <laughs> use frequently, like your main yeah. lights and exactly sort of yeah tools yeah. you shape light with and then yeah. the camera and then you just go that's with it. it. Yeah. I like that. And that's
1: that's why I too like I put a strong emphasis on like I, I will make a very like I put a strong emphasis on having the right stuff for me, like the right gear for me. Like I will not compromise anymore in terms of like what I bring to a shoot or what mm-hmm. I use. Like I, I generally use a very similar setup everywhere because I know it'll work in most locations. Yeah. The only thing I'm missing is like a really high power light, um, which I'm probably gonna grab at some point, but. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I usually go in and do like a two or three point light setup and mainly with a key fire up a hair light mm-hmm. sometimes will motivate from like some natural sources that are coming in. It really depends on the space we're in. And again, like how much we can control, like how many windows yeah. there are, how many practicals there are. Are there lights that we can't turn off? Like and how much time you have also, exactly, like, how much time you have. Exactly. Do you we know have you time
0: d- to cover four lights <clears throat> in the ceiling with gaff tape? Yeah. I don't
1: know. <laughs> well, usually the client's like, okay, we can do like half an hour setup, but like people don't really, you know,
0: half an hour is tight. You can, I gave well, myself you can't really half an hour today up. Yeah. <laughs> to set this up. It took yeah. a bit longer. That's uh, that's really cool. So do you, you so then what do you do now primarily, like as a DOP, like, are you just focusing on the camera, lighting, all that stuff? Do you work with a director or are you kind of still running the show one?
1: Yeah. So it really depends on the shoot. Like my day-to-day, I'd say like 75% of my work is myself and a camera operator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say camera operator, but they're kind of like, a they do the grip thing, they mm-hmm. do... Um, an ac that, well, all, all the stuff basically so yeah. that's not what i'm doing
0: it's hard to put the labels of the film yeah, i know exactly. that because it's hard to label them based on like the film industry structure yeah. when it's like you're dping directing operating gripping gaffing yeah. all the stuff exactly like yeah. i'm even doing a bit of that
1: too it's like mm-hmm. a, i am also like a very hands on person like i like operating and i like like i like lights i like setting mm-hmm. up things like I'm never going to be one of those persons who's like, go there, and do that, Me and do this. I, I can't. I'm I, I can delegate, <laughs> but like, man, I just love doing it. But yeah, yeah, it's fun. Like throwing up a C stand, exactly, like, yeah. all the way yeah, up.
0: Yeah. You know, it's just like cool. Yeah. this doesn't fall,
1: but no. Yeah. Like I'm a very technical gear oriented person, even in university too. That was like my, my thing. Like I was never very good at like conceptualizing necessarily, but I was always like, this is like a technical exploration of like a large format camera. And the teachers were like, okay, cool. Tell us about your feelings. And I was like, okay, well um, anyways, so that's funny, man. Yeah. I've always been like a bit of a gearhead and and stuff. And uh, when I first did like, so I I shot with like DSLRs and stuff Mm to mirrorless cameras. I basically went like Canon r or t7 no rebels 60s five, sorry 5d mark 360 yeah then i went to a gh4 because i wanted to shoot 4k mm-hmm. then i quickly switched from the gh4 to the a7s2 or yeah i think it was the a7s2
0: yeah i remember um, that camera that was when i was getting in that camera yeah, was big that was wild that yeah. camera
1: was really good and then i went from that to a c200 okay um, sorry, right to cine is that right right a cine, cine, cam, cine camera the c200? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a it's a great great cinema camera that they're actually blowing out right now because they're um I guess they were going to release a bunch of new stuff, Canon, but, mm. um, it, that camera was great. And it like the stuff like that I was shooting looked really good. And, um, it was the first time I had like a dedicated like video camera that was like mm-hmm. super functional, like with built in ND filters, XLR, ports, nice. all that stuff. Right. So you get, you know, you spend a bunch of money to get these things that make your life so much easier and like, you're not dealing with all these peripherals. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then after that I had a couple C seventies and then, I now have a red Komodo. I, saw I went back to making my life more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and accumulating copious amounts of footage. Uh, you know what? It's not that bad because they have like a low, a low, um, low bit rate. Okay. Raw Kodak now. Like, really? Extra low quality, but it's honestly so good. Like, yeah. that's like cool. it still has like so much latitude. It's like, it's wild. The but, Komodo's
0: a cool looking camera. Yeah. It's the form factor is very intriguing for me and I like the box.
1: It's it is very cool. Like the when box. I pulled it out of the box, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty nifty." Yeah, like, are you like happy with cube. it? Yeah. So far, man, I'm very happy. Like mm-hmm. again, like you, I, I like to fight complacency mm-hmm. a little bit because I think it's really easy to get stuck in like a safe spot. Where I mean, this is just me justifying this purchase to myself, but no. um, <laughs> where <laughs> you get it. <laughs> uh, where, you, where you get stuck in like a safe spot where like you're doing something that's like very replicable like you can basically do it with your eyes closed mm-hmm. and um, like working with like the can workflow and stuff like that having the built-in NDs having like all the audio support and stuff like that yeah um, and also being able to record for really long times like not necessarily having to think too much about like the process I mean you can still light and do all that stuff like mm-hmm. you still get that vibe but yeah um, yeah, so switching to red, I feel like the things that I'm doing feel a little bit more intentional and like, I'm sorry if this gets too bullshitty, but um, like, <laughs> yeah, just there's a certain... It's almost, again, kind cool. of like working with film photography because mm-hmm. you are shooting in such a high bitrate codec. Like, you are using a lot of data. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to use a lot of peripherals to get your thing to work properly. Like, you you need a map box with, like, ND filters in it. You need to have a peripheral, auto, audio, uh, peripheral audio recording device. Say that mm-hmm. 10 times. There's the no case. mic in it, right? There is no. There's there, Well, there's, like, a crappy, like, stereo, Just for scratch stereo. audio? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I bought a Zoom F3, and it's killer. Like, it's mm-hmm. got 32-bit float audio, so you can yell into it, and it won't clip. Sweet. Yeah. That's um, cool. So yeah, and the, you can just fire that into the camera, and honestly, like, it's much heavier as a package, too, because I'm running V-mount batteries on mm-hmm. it with my cinema lenses and the matte box and all that jazz, so the handheld footage that I'm doing, because the majority of, like, my B-roll is shot handheld as well, because I, I, I like that vibe, Same. and, you know, I feel so restricted every time. Even when I'm wearing, like, a like an easy rig, mm-hmm. I feel like I can't get the shots that I want to get. I feel like there's just too much going on around me. Like, I just need to, like, so just robot. get a little bit lower, down. you know, like yeah. or, like, a little bit closer, like, a little bit around the side. so yeah so I love it.
0: I like yeah in so many words i <laughs> yeah. I completely relate because mm-hmm. I fell in love with the technical aspect of video production and that's kind of what pushed like that's what fuels me like the curiosity of combining so many different pieces in a unique way to create mm-hmm. an image that no one else has done before yeah. and like i I just I love it because it's there's so much that I have yet to learn um mm-hmm. and there's so many different ways I can do the same thing. Like I can light this podcast in like a million different ways. Uh, But, you know, based on what I have, this is how it's been done today. But I totally relate to that i love shooting handheld there was a point in my life where i was terrified of <laughs> handheld shooting and yeah. manual focus do, yeah. and now i'm like a spokesperson yeah. for both of
1: those well oh, that's another thing i don't have uh, autofocus anymore yeah. so i'm just like mind you i have a set of cine lenses that i've been using for the past two years anyway, so mm-hmm. i haven't been using autofocus really for a lot of things
0: i like it it's yeah this is, it is about that full control i shoot a lot yeah. of real estate i shoot it all handheld except for mm-hmm. the drone stuff outside mm-hmm. But there's something very like I find it's like welcoming to that handheld look. You feel like you're you're there. You're you're viewing it. It's not perfectly flawless, yeah. gimbaly. Yeah, you're
1: not you're not like behind the action, or you're you're in it. Mm-hmm. Like, it puts you with like in the action, and I find it's a little bit more emotive. Like you feel a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I always like try and evoke some sort of feeling. What, what doesn't matter. What kind of feeling it is? I just have to yeah. feel something about <laughs> how I'm shooting. Yeah. Um, or what I'm shooting. Um, and I think too, like, sorry, going back to, um, style and stuff like, Mm -hmm. and and doing the corporate sort of branded video thing, um, I think what sort of keeps my clients happy and I do like with 80% of my clients, I have a recurring, um, they're, they're long-term clients. It's like a recurring shoot relationship. Um, and they know what they're getting and you know, they give me just enough leeway to be able to produce stuff that makes me happy as well. And, uh, I think having that a little bit more of an edgy look, um, and doing that sort of more organic cinematic kind of style, but in a corporate setting is kind of what keeps them interested, you know? That's cool. I think it's, it's fun because it keeps me interested too, right? Yeah. If I had to do like cut and dry corporate videos, um, you wouldn't be probably doing it. I wouldn't be doing it, but (laughs) That's yeah. another thing too where like I, I draw the line between videography and cinematography is when you're trying to, videography is you setting up a camera and you're doing all the technical th- technical things to capture what is going on in front of you. Like be it like an event or, <clears throat> excuse me, like an interview or what have you. But cinematography is when you sort of go that extra step and you try and make it look a certain way to make people feel a specific way about something. I like that. And at the end of the day, that's what's gonna sell your client's product better. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're just trying to sell stuff for our clients, right? Mm-hmm. For the most part. and. Um, whether it's the questions you ask um, or the lighting setup you do, mm-hmm. um, that can have like a drastic impact on like the the overall sort of like um, sort of mood and like vibe of the video.
0: Yeah, I've never actually had that differentiated videography and cinematography. Mm-hmm. I I always say I do video production because it engulfs like it capsul- it captures like drone video production, corporate yeah. video production, real estate. But I guess it's cool that you say. So it doesn't really matter about if you can do cinematography with a phone, exactly video yeah. camera. But then you're if you're curating the lights in the environment mm-hmm. and you're you're manipulating it to get a certain feeling, mm. that's cinematography. right? Yeah, it's
1: having that sort of vision of how things should look. And like I, I don't even like. I don't even think I have a vision necessarily. I think I just have like a, like I experience like physical discomfort. Like if something on set's not working and I'm just like, I don't know what it is. And I'm like pulling my hair out and I'm like racking my brains. And like, sometimes it'll be like, just like tweak a light a little bit. Like mm-hmm. last week I was working on set with <laughs> with my, my uh, I say my buddy, but also coworker Kevin and he yeah. was like, we, we flipped the set like three times, like the lights, we flipped the key, we did all the stuff and like it was just not working and like he could see like my gears were going and like there's like steam coming out of my ears and I'm like trying to figure out like what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think then that's kind of another thing that like I like it and I don't like it is like mm-hmm. if something is bothering me on set, like in terms of aesthetics and and it's just not looking the way I want it to look like I will not necessarily rest until it's yeah. resolved to some degree. Like sometimes you have to compromise. Yeah. Oh, there's always compromise too. But sometimes yeah. like there's just things where I get hung up on and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's gotta, that is cool. Gotta get fixed.
0: Yeah. So, so then, um, for the people that are, I feel like this term is maybe not understood, like cinematographer mm-hmm. or a DOP. Can you tell me what like that role means?
1: I don't want to mess this up. I mean, if you don't have the <laughs> ultimate <laughs> definition,
0: like what does it mean in your world or in your experience?
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, where it's like you are the one who is manipulating the image. You're giving the image that that sort of like flare, the the moon. Like you're you're the one who's trying to like, from the environment at least, evoke some sort of reaction or emotion in people mm-hmm. via lighting and... Cameras, camera movement, and lens choice, and that kind of thing. Whereas director is more so directing the talent as to what they're doing in order to best convey that as well, right? So cool, yeah. And I think I I think that kind of makes sense.
0: That does make sense. I mean, I I look at TV shows and movies, I'm like,
1: cinematography is beautiful, yeah. My girlfriend's like, what. Yeah, like, did I, you see I, the key light in the window? Like, I, can't, I, can't, I can't rest anymore when I watch movies, man. I'm like, I'm instantly like on the web, like, what was this shot on? Ugh. But it's yeah. almost gotten to the point too where I can like actually pick lenses out. Like I'm like, oh, this was shot on these lenses. That's I, pretty I, cool. I recognize it, you know? You're, some lenses are very recognizable. Like
0: a Cook lens or an Atlas?
1: It would be, yeah, Atlas lens or like some like Hawk V light lenses. Like those have a super distinct look mm-hmm. or like the airy Prime DNA lenses have a really distinct look. Like season one of Euphoria was shot on those.
0: Was that shot on film? Uh, season two
1: was. Season okay. one was... Um, Season one was uh, like an Alexa or something. That's cool.
0: Yeah, nice man. So then, Chris, where, like, where do you get ener- your energy to do this and your inspiration? Like, is there anything that fuels you forward or inspires you?
1: Yeah, as far as inspiration goes, um, I do watch a lot of movies and TV, so I'll, I'll take things from that that I you know, that I want to sort of try and implement in, in mm-hmm. my shoots, even though it's on like a much smaller corporate scale, like you do yeah. see things and you're like, Oh, it could be interesting to try using some mirrors, maybe like a CLRS setup, where where like, yeah. you, you, you take a spotlight and you bounce it into a mirror and you bounce it somewhere else. And there's just different ways to like manipulate things. And like the more tools you have to make like a boring room look cool it's, mm-hmm. is kind of worked in your favor, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think like, I also get inspired by the people that I'm shooting, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like um, it doesn't happen all the time, but like sometimes you're doing a shoot and you're just like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. You are such a cool person. And like, I'm super happy to be here. Like, yeah, just being able to like ask you questions and like showcase you doing what you do best, essentially, yeah. you know, like we filmed something for Carlson University where this guy, he's, uh, he makes like AI for robots that go on the moon. Wow. Yeah, or in space or wherever. Anywhere that, you know, takes anywhere where it's hard for communication, essentially. Like it could be like underground, like or under the ocean or whatever. But he was super passionate about it and it was it was really interesting to like hear somebody who's really stoked about something talk about it.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I, I love that and I, that's what I love about this the whole space of video. It's like I feel like I enter doors of different industries, like I enter through weird doors mm-hmm. into these corporate realms, these businesses, these kind of uh Things that are happening that I would have never otherwise been, or I wouldn't have learned about that yeah. stuff. But through video, through cameras, it just takes you to those places. And
1: yeah, it's, it's cool. Awesome. I see
0: a lot of similarities in the way you view things and the way I view well, things. It's, so it's pretty it's cool. Great,
1: great minds think alike. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, yeah, glorified videographers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just kidding.
0: Um, That's cool, man. So yeah. then, um, is there anything? This could be cinematography. Is there anything you have like just unlimited energy for in your life?
1: Yeah. I mean, cinematography takes up a lot. Like I need to have other things going on in my life. Like mm-hmm. I do a lot of mountain biking. That's like one of my downhill, downhill or uh, in, well, yeah. Down, enduro. So, enduro. Enduro. so uh, you, you don't take the chairlift, but you bike up, but you're focusing on the downhills. That's kind of cool thing. Yeah. So I've always wanted to get into that. Yeah. It's, it's super Where fun. Where do you do it? Camp fortune, nice. uh, Gatineau park area. Like I live really close to the Gatineau park, so oh, I can just sick. rip in there and go right from your house. there. Exactly. That's yeah. Awesome. So I love doing that kind of stuff. And, um, like I have a, a mountain bike YouTube channel as well that has gotten sick. some- pretty, Can
0: we link it? Can we oh, put, you go, yeah, okay. yeah, go for we're it. Ca- capital
1: MTB. Yeah, that's sick. It. So, and I, I meet so many people who know me through that too, which is kind of embarrassing sometimes. <laughs> like we were doing a shoot for the Auto Hospital Foundation and <laughs> it was catered by Kettleman's and the Kettleman's truck showed up and the driver's like, hey man, I don't mean to be weird, but- <laughs> are you the mountain bike guy? And I was like, oh shit, yeah. Um, anyway, so we chatted about bikes and stuff and then he messaged me like a couple days later. He's like, thanks for being so cool. I was like, man, I, like whatever. Of course, this mountain biking is the yeah.
0: um, What so. do you do on that? Like is you just, are you talking about how to mountain bike or what's the So idea? I do have
1: my, my instructor certification but I mm-hmm. haven't gotten into that yet. Um, it's more so like gear reviews, um, like uh, POV style, like GoPro videos, cool. and like trail previews. Um, I did some sort of like travel stuff last summer. Nice. Um, where uh, this really cool guy put us up in his place, uh, just outside of Quebec City, right? Like ride in, ride out on a really cool trail network. And nice. I took some drone stuff there and filmed like a little like vlog style, mm-hmm. couple day video thing. And, yeah. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to do that for a living. It would be so, so fun. For mountain biking, yeah. yeah. Make it cinematic. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I've got a couple uh, little mini docs for mountain biking that are lined up, and Smart. that's like, part of the part of the reason I got the red camera too, because the red cameras are very like. They're kind of known as like sports cameras or like, you know, that was like ski videos back in day. Are you strapping were your camera? Heck no. No, to, no, To, no, to no. a mic? No. It's not no. happening, is it? To no, a I mean, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, because it's got the global shutter and it's got the gyro information too. So you think you might be able to strap like an 11 mil or a 12 mil lens on the front and like, you know, put it on your forehead or something. <laughs> Those crazy helmet <laughs> yeah, cams. Yeah, exactly. The
0: gyro stuff's insane. Like I yeah. shoot Blackmagic, mm-hmm. um, I shoot on a Pocket 6K and it had the camera for like a year and a half then they released an update they're like oh by the way this camera has a gyro in it now it's being written into the raw video that's crazy data. yeah and you can stabilize your footage with the gyro data can you yeah. do that with the yeah you can komodo? do that with the
1: komodo now with the new i mean the use the beta firmware update which okay. I, that has like the low quality um, raw setting as well so interesting yeah the red Com-
0: cool. i've considered that camera heavily and for the people cool. listening that don't know anything about <laughs> these cameras it's i mean some like some. Like I have friends and colleagues who, like say the, the camera doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like gear is stupid. It's not about that. And then I'm like, but I like, it's so cool.
1: <laughs> it, it is, it is and it isn't. Like You know, you can say all you want about not being hung up, hung up on gear or whatever, but I do think at the end of the day, like you, you can buy the gear and not know what you're doing with it mm-hmm. and it's not going to make a difference. But if you've used a bunch of stuff over the years, you know exactly why you're buying that gear. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what it's going to do for you. Then I think it's totally a valid purchase, and you can say as much cool things as you want about it. You yeah, know? like justify why you just yeah, bought a ten thousand dollar. I'm not buying it because some YouTuber told me to buy it. I'm buying it because, like, I in, in fact, like, I watched so many frigging videos on that camera, and they all suck. Like, I'm sorry, the like,
0: videos on the camera, yeah, people yeah, just say amazing things about what, that that camera. But
1: the thing is, it came out, and it was. Like, I mean, it's still really expensive, but -hmm. um, it was the most accessible red camera. So a lot of people bought them and a lot of people decided to film videos about them. And there's just so much like mediocre content Mm -hmm. filmed with it. Like there was nothing that I found on the internet that would, that sort of told me that this was a good camera for me. Cause I was like, well, none of these videos look great. It's just some guy out in a field filming their dog or something, you know? So it doesn't tell me a lot of stuff. Like I am borderline, like maybe gonna film a review on the camera and be like, if you were a commercial filmmaker or like somebody who's making like, Corporate branded video, and you film a lot of interviews and shoot B roll and whatever. Like this could work. Get the red. Um, it's yeah. cool.
0: I've shot on a Red mm. Dragon five point six K. I like. I like it. It it does something to the client when they're like, oh, red. Yeah, that a, circle a and thing, the yeah. skull, <laughs> and it's like yeah. it. It looks like it. Kind of looks like a a heavy duty piece of machinery yeah. with all those drilled holes in it yeah. and it's industrial and, yeah you know, exactly it's, it's industrial it's and a tool a purpose-built tool. absolutely and I recently had some experience playing with an Ari Alexa mini for mm. the first time yes yeah, so and that. Yeah. awesome it, eh? it's 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 such a like it's one of the highest end things in the camera mm-hmm. world and then I was we started using it and I'm like man this is easy like this is this is literally just an excellent mm-hmm. thing. It's, it's designed well, it's intuitive. It's, yeah. it's not complicated settings. And right, it's like, I starting to understand that high end space and how it helps you as a, as a creator, as a video creator, as a mm-hmm. cinematographer, and it helps your crew kind of all work together. And yeah, they're, they're, they're cool cameras. And I, I shoot the black magic pocket 6k pro because it's, it is a very accessible version of all of Mm -hmm. that. It's a weird form factor,
1: but you still get raw video. You still get some crazy good color science and, you know, as long as you know what to do with it, like it's absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I'm now, now I'm considering what you said about like the, the complacency. Like I'm, I can use that camera with my eyes closed and it's, it's an excellent camera. Like it does Mm -hmm. everything, but now I'm like considering, okay, this, I'm too comfortable with it. I'm always scared of accumulating large amounts of data. Like I have like 80 terabytes of,
1: Oh, Backup that's more than like, I mean, I definitely have that like in I a can't pile delete somewhere. Footage, man. Yeah, me either. I've got, yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've started writing it into things where I'm, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll keep your footage for two years. After two years, it's gone. It's gone. It's, yeah. But if you want to buy it now, you can buy your footage with a drive for mm-hmm. an X amount of money, and that's it's smart. yours right off the bat. And that mm-hmm. way, like, someone always has a copy of it because it's also like, I do have a few clients who like, "Oh, you know, we shot this like two, three years ago. Can we go in and just like use some of that footage?" I'm like, "I guess so. Yeah." Yeah, and
0: because it's it's a, yeah. you're gonna they're going to pay you again for it and it's, yeah, I just, I can't bring myself to delete it. Like I, 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 operate off. It feels bad. SSDs and I long-term store on like slower SATA drives. Yeah. But now I'm like, this isn't sustainable. I'm three years in and I've accumulated
1: like 80 terabytes of I, I, footage. I'm probably there too. I mean, I'll, I'll text you. I think I have more than that. I'll How text many? you a, a video or my drawer at home full of drives, <laughs> of drives? plus like photography. That's like seven years worth of wow. stuff. Wow so that's cool and it just gets more and more dense in terms of data <laughs> so. yeah you're just a cute now you're yeah. shooting in higher yeah
0: formats and all that stuff yeah that's cool man um chris what's what would you say is the most challenging thing about what you do with your work and you know your life and stuff
1: i think the hard thing is saying no to jobs i don't know if that's something that you get but Absolutely. Sometimes someone will come out of the woodwork and they'll ask you for X, Y, Z. And, you know, you'd be like, oh, there's a red flag there. But, you know, maybe, you know, or maybe it's like things are slow and I'll I'll take the gig and... Regret it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and and as much as I say, like, I'm never going to do that again, it always happens. And, you know, sometimes anyways this is my year where i'm saying i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna actually like pay attention to the red flags and not uh, can relate to
0: that yeah the saying no is hard because like you want to do it mm. like your heart wants to do it but your your brain and your your the business side of things and your it just doesn't always make sense exactly that was a big one for me with shooting motorsports and racing mm-hmm. i spent the last two summers like like I do high performance driving myself. Oh, nice. And I got into the world of like filming high performance driving and motorsports. And I love it. Cars are literally mm-hmm. like like nothing. Like I, That's my first passion. Cars driving, building cars, all that stuff. Oh, sick. So I got into filming motorsports, but it came a point where I couldn't, like I couldn't keep going down that path of filming motorsports in uncontrolled environments. You know dangerous environments because they're just it wasn't taking me closer to where I wanted to be which was kind of building a video production company and, and developing like experiences and um, Things like this podcast and like mm-hmm. enabling experiences for people involved And that's kind of what I wanted to do And motorsports was a, was a bit tricky. So saying no to that like hurt my yeah. heart and I'll come back to it But you know going into this summer first summer in like two years I haven't not, not shooting at racetracks this summer. It's kind of hard it's tricky. Yeah, that's, that's, like, oh, that's,
1: it'd be, that'd be like me giving up the biking thing. Yeah. Life. I mean, I'm always going to ride bikes. It's a question mm-hmm. of whether I film my riding bikes or not. But cause sometimes it does feel a bit tedious when, like, <clears throat> all you do is film all day. And then you're like, oh, I got to film my ride this week because I got to post something on YouTube. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know.
0: That's true. It is similar. Because you want to ride the bike and be the rider and explorer, but then you yeah. make the content around it. Yeah. And, so yeah what do you drive what's your car so yeah. currently what cars do you have <laughs> cars <laughs> i'm I, kidding i have a few i have four um subaru legacy is my like nice i saw it, yeah that's my work truck those. they're yeah. sick it's a work yeah. truck station wagon nice yeah. i'll check it out after that's the work truck and then i have a 2002 jetta gli oh right it's on. a vr6 so it's like a they made this car for like two years it's a front-wheel drive, six-cylinder manual thing that just makes exceptional noises. <laughs> I bought It's a 2002, so the car's pretty old. Um, I bought it from the original owner when I was much younger. It used to be mm-hmm. my daily driver, and now I'm like, I can't sell this thing because they don't exist anymore. Is and it a hatch? Or is no, it it's, a no sedan. it's a sedan. Okay. It's hard to find these cars yeah. anymore, so now it's just kind of like sitting in a storage unit. Mm. I'm still going to drive it, and then I have a 1991 Mazda MX-5. Oh, wild. That's the race car. Yeah. I also bought that when they were dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. I bought the thing for like you know, I'm not going to say Miata, right? Yeah. Miata. It's the first generation. So that thing's 32 years old this year It has a flip headlights, obviously the best thing in the world. That thing is just like a time machine into the nineties, the smell, the sound, all of it. My old roommate had one. I I got to drive it a couple times. It was wild. So that's like, that's the, that's my race car. Nice. That's kind of how I develop as a driver because it's like, it's very analog Mm -hmm. and balanced and it forces you to focus on your technique as a driver because you're not assisted by high horsepower or any sort of traction control, ABS, nothing. Red Komodo. Red. Co- it's the red Komodo <laughs> of cars. Yeah. The, the Miata is the or, red. Kimono. or the high end
1: cinema camera of cars. Yeah. Um, like
0: I, I love analog experiences Me too, because it's, I mean, I mean, everything's so digital. I lo- I've, I've fascinated by the digital space, but I always go back to analog stuff. I shoot yeah. film photo, drive a, old race car and yeah. the the fourth car which is it's an ice racer we bought like a a Subaru Impreza <laughs> a wagon wild, okay. that wasn't roadworthy. it had a couple holes in the subframe oh god got it for dirt cheap and it but it had a sick exhaust on it so it was mm. loud and then we took it oval ice racing last winter at Capital City Speedway crazy we were in like an, an ice oval with 20 other Subarus and it was probably the most fun I've ever <laughs> <laughs> in a car, sounds fun, and yeah. that thing's sitting behind a shed at my sister's place.
1: And oh, you have a nice sister, yeah,
0: <laughs> she's got space to it's, it's, it's in a bush, really. It's mm-hmm. sitting in a bush, so I mean, car, it's it's uh, an some might say it's an unnecessary hobby to uh, have. I mean- yeah, that many things going
1: on, and they've got you, five bikes, so okay, so you can relate. I, get, I feel you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but they're all individual tools, though, they all have a specific purpose. Yeah, <laughs> dude, <laughs> that's, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> literally,
0: why do you need three cars? They all serve a purpose winter, yeah. summer racetrack, yeah. winter racetrack, summer daily. <laughs> it's, it's getting out of hand. I don't know what's because it's the same as getting rid of footage. I can't mm-hmm. bring myself to get rid of these cars mm-hmm. because they serve a purpose. You're a hoarder. I'm not <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not a hoarder. There's I am, a word for that. Right? Yeah. yeah, they're they're I, scattered I am, all. I am, I am too. I'm. They're not all in one so place. Much I'd love to keep them in one place, but yeah. logistically that doesn't make sense. But <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go home and sell all the cars if yeah. you want to buy a car. No, I'm good man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same as the footage. I have trouble letting go of things that serve a purpose yeah, and save. have value. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're all old cars that I got for pretty cheap, and I fixed them all up. So it's not like they're. A financial burden, right? Per se, it is a logistics kind of challenge, and sometimes a a, a really annoying one. A physical, spatial, environmental. Exactly, burden. yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yes. Move them around <laughs> all the time and yeah, yeah. shuffle them around, and it's but it, it's a fun challenge. I like yeah. it. I enjoy it. And there's something inside me that I'm drawn to saving old chip boxes
1: and making hey, them better because cool. yeah. they're, they're just going to disappear. And, you know, um, but it's <laughs> someone's going to use them. You know, why not? Why not? Why not it be you? Why it not be you? Anyways. Exactly. Enough about the ship My brain hurts.
0: Um because what uh, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of like what you do? I think we may have briefly touched on this. Yeah.
1: but... I think it's definitely the people you it's meet. The people, it's the people you mm-hmm. meet. The people you get to work with. Um, when you find those like like-minded people who you click with and you can produce things with, like mm-hmm. I think that's super fun. Like Remy, for example, we've worked on some really cool stuff together. We bicker like in a little couple, like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Um, but, but you yeah, flow we, together.
0: Like you vibe. And yeah, we
1: vibe, we <laughs> flow together and it's, it's fun. And you know, when you meet those, like those people that like, I hate saying employees, but, um, coworkers, colleagues, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the camera ops that I work with, like Kevin is great. Kevin Knoll, um, killer dude, PL Arsenault, amazing as well. He's cool. a, I mean, I don't want to say up and coming DP cause he's a DP. He's just yeah. straight up like really good. He just likes to work with me sometimes, which mm-hmm. I'm, you know, super lucky to have. And, uh, yeah, just the people you meet and, you know, the stuff you get to create along the way. I mean, the better the people that you're surrounded by in terms of just, like, be it vibes or just good people in general help produce good things.
0: Absolutely. So. I, I, that, that's, it's cool. The, the people are the primary. Mm-hmm. They are the first thing in everything. But well, you can't make
1: video without people. No. Dina, well, I mean, I'm sure people would argue that. I saw Adobe came with some AI stuff today, and <laughs> I was like, Jesus. is yeah.
0: freaky. Dina was saying yeah. this. Uh, Dina el weird. she's a... Uh, Video director, screenwriter. We had her on episode fifteen, which Mm -hmm. was two episodes ago. Uh, She said, uh, "Filmmaking is about making friends, Mm -hmm. and it's it's the kind of you make you can't make a film alone. You can't make a video alone. And it's at first I thought you know you can do it all. I'm just gonna do it everything myself. And then I'm like, I cannot do that. (laughs) There's some things you can do alone Mm -hmm. that you tackle if they're simple, but yeah, you definitely need that crew,
1: that support,
0: Mm -hmm. the people. It's it's fun." Uh, The people you work with on your crew and then also Mm -hmm. the people you film because you're taking these people out of their like um, regular lives and Mm -hmm. it's a special experience for them. Mm -hmm. I think Remy mentioned something about that because doing like corporate headshot stuff and how, you know, these people are in their office and then they're getting invited out to do a headshot session for their company. And and he's like, why not make it crazy and cool and and, and exciting and um, it becomes more memorable like that.
1: Well, totally. And also like, I think I get great satisfaction or it makes me feel good, especially being, I mean, someone who's more introverted, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, I was never really like an outgoing kid in class. I never put my hand up to ask questions. I never did any of that stuff. So, um, when I am able to make somebody feel comfortable, um, in a shoot scenario that like makes my day, like regardless of how the shoot turns out, like as long as they're comfortable and they're able to answer my questions and a lot of the time, I'm the one asking the questions in the shoots too, for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't know if you get that, but.
0: As a, like when you're directing a shoot kind of like.
1: I just any shoot, like the client, like there's there's always an interview component and mm-hmm. more often than not in the past, clients used to ask the questions, but now they're like, no, you do it. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so. I um, love asking questions personally. I, I didn't, and now I do, so. you. <laughs> but know, I ask like questions I, on a
0: regular basis, cause yeah. I. I love, I feel like I, lo- I, I love to learn from other people. It is another motivation of this podcast because yeah. I, f- I feel like there's so much to be learned from other people because now you're coming in here, you're sitting here and you're bringing your years of experience and I'm just like being, I'm getting, I'm having the opportunity to live through your your stories about all the things you've done. So in my day-to-day, I love to ask people questions yeah. about themselves because I mean, I find that it, it helps get conversations going. Yeah, People like to talk about themselves. So if you ask them questions about themselves, they're going to talk and you may not say a single word and they'll be like, you're an excellent conversationalist. Yeah. And you didn't say anything. All you did was ask questions and listen.
1: Oh, yeah. Some people like come on set and they're super nervous. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so terrible. You know? And then sometimes I find it's ha- helpful to ask like some random like bonus questions mm-hmm. just like get a conversation going. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and you've answered all the questions and they nailed it, you know? Yeah. So that's always really gratifying and mm-hmm. just to make people feel at ease. Cause like, you know, I was never the most comfortable person in a social setting. So I, I get it. Yeah. You know? So totally
0: yeah. man. That's cool. Yeah. Um, where do you then see like the, this industry, the, the, the video film industry evolving mm-hmm. to and how do you fit in and where do you want to be as it grows?
1: I think, I mean, I've got a good baseline going now in terms of just, you know, recurring clients and, you know, I, I'm able to, you know, work my creative muscle a little bit in those shoots, um, but I also don't feel the need to have to, like, chase down every job that's coming, so that leaves some pockets for some creative shoots. Nice. Um, we filmed one the other weekend. We just rented a cool, uh, some anamorphic stuff, uh, some anamorphic lenses, pardon me. And Yeah. Um, because the Komodo has an anamorphic function, which I didn't know. Where it like you de- de- squeeze the camera, it does everything for you. You yeah. can
0: PL mount to that, right? Yeah, you can. Is get this a solid?
1: RF- no, you can get. Well, you get RF to PL adapter. Um, you can buy different PL mounts that. Um, mount to the cage that make it really solid but this wasn't super solid but you can use lens supports did you have to use rods and lens Uh, yeah of course yeah i always do okay yeah um i saw that video the wheelbarrow yeah yeah so that was really cool and like i I have a buddy who makes uh some really really nice leather goods um Mm -hmm. in a in a crazy cool shop behind his house and i just messaged him the night before i was like hey man we got this crazy lens Uh, do you want to film this like thing and so, I got Kevin, I got Mike, uh, motioned yeah. by Mike, who's on the podcast before, like Hi, mis- Mike. Mr. Aperture, yeah. Um, and he's there with his iPad with his, like, Sidus Link controlling all the lights and, like, putting light bulbs in. I was like, man, this is so sick. Like, you know, just to have, like, people like this who are jazzed about mm-hmm. doing cool things who just, like, want to come out on a Saturday and, like, film for, like, three hours. And, yeah. you know, like, I, and the story we ended up pulling out of the, the shoot was good, too. Like, I, for me, really too, cool. like, I, it's tough because you put a lot of pressure on yourself like in, in those instances where it's like, oh, I want to film something that'll last, you know, like that'll like, you know, I don't want to just film something for the, he- the heck of filming it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy that that ended up being like a piece that I could show on my website if I wanted to. And it's cool. Yeah, I Will, enjoyed Will it. was super pumped. Yeah,
0: well. I can imagine because like, well, first of all, he's getting a free, really <laughs> yeah. dope video. But it's it's a it's an interesting story, and I, I love the sound design in it. Uh, yeah, as I, well. I went back
1: and recorded some other sounds. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I noticed, and it was it was just cool. It was cool mm-hmm. to hear a story about a guy who makes stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And this one, it's leather mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's just it's interesting. So you, you want to do more of that moving forward? you want to do more of those kind of creative shoots where you're like, I have a dope lens uh, to play with.
1: Yeah, or I just have a dope camera, or just a dope idea, like a cool idea to, mm-hmm. to do stuff with, like there's a lot of stuff surrounding like the whole mountain biking side of things that i want to do there's uh, Mm -hmm. like vorlage you know the ski hill like up in wakefield uh i didn't know they had a ski hill yeah it's way way up there but so that's where i learned how to ski when i was like super young but they're doing um they're putting in mountain bike trails so i'm filming a documentary on the making of the mountain bike trails there and hopefully get something cool out of that and then there's another mountain biking spot in carp which is on this like it's called the Barrens area, and it's just mm. like rocks. It looks like you're on the moon, kind of. It's really cool. Like is it along lake the river, and, or no, no it's carp?
0: No, I'm mixing up with Dunrobin. Sorry.
1: Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> the guy who builds the trails there and advocates for them, he's a really interesting dude. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, let's film a video about your process and like what this place is all about, because it's also very specific. Like you can only ride bikes there for like a month and a half in the spring, and then two months in the fall. It's closed during the summer because of like turtle breeding or something. Like really? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you crush the turtles. It's like it's a very like ecologically. Um, Fragile area. So wow. It's anyway, so there's there's cool things like that and then again like you meet cool people I always love doing like maker videos and like art videos mm-hmm. um, I've shot a couple for the Ottawa art gallery, which are like those are great because you just get paid to film cool People making cool stuff mm-hmm. and like, you know, really interesting artists like who've been around the block like a few times and they're, yeah, like, they, they know what's up and Their stories are just fascinating and then their work is like unreal. So um, You know, I think if you do stuff like that you attract more work like that. So I'm just gonna sort of keep keep trucking and, and yeah. see what comes out of it and I like try it. and stay busy.
0: I look forward I look forward to seeing the more of the stuff you do because the, oh, the the frames that you have are really cool. Like the the screenshots that you post of your work, it's cool to see it. They're very like like they invoke a feeling in them.
1: That's what we go for. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I don't it. I don't care what the feeling is as long as you feel something. <laughs> as long as you feel something, yeah. that's <laughs> funny. Um,
0: because if you could do <clears throat> anything. With no limitations what is it
1: like just anything anything anything, anything in anything, the world anything. no
0: limitations no
1: constraints it's one of those podcast bonus questions
0: we got a couple more of those I have a oh, funny one I can't oh wait God. to ask you oh boy okay. it's it's I think you'll enjoy it it's not if I
1: could do anything <laughs> um oh man that's such a tough question can we come back to that and can we, we can or do we are they sequential or do we have to no they're not sequential they're honestly like okay. all over the place I haven't had enough beers to answer that question'll <laughs> we'll we take a quick break I think there's a brewery <laughs> around the <laughs> corner. I had a heck of a weekend in Toronto. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Was it, was it, uh, I saw your stories. What were you doing in Toronto?
1: Uh, it was just, uh, my wife works for Shopify. So nice. she was there for work. So I just went to meet up with her on the weekend. Oh, that's so after fun. her work, and then uh, we went up for a belated birthday dinner for myself. Nice. and then uh, after yeah. birthday. Thank you. That's cool. Um, so yeah, if I could, man frig, if I could do anything in the world, it would be like traveling and filming, I think like, mm. but not like filming travel, more so traveling and filming interesting people all around the world I think yeah that'd be really cool be it mountain bike related be it anything i think anything just I cool stories if, if you film a certain way and you film a certain type of content or i hate the word content as well Mind you content implies you're filling something up with something like it's it's just a it's like volume content content um but <laughs> sorry it's fine <laughs> the youtuber that hates the word content it's um, it's thrown
0: around quite a lot but i guess it's mm-hmm. it's pretty vague
1: like, yeah it's just kind of like that's a lazy term It just implies stuff. What do you
0: prefer to say instead of creating
1: content? I don't know. Work. Make videos. Make videos. Work. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Art. Yeah. Hopefully. Make art. (laughs) You know, it's not always art. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is content, like, to fill your webpage with. You're populating something with your content. That would be cool, though. Travel the world with a motion by mic lighting setup. There you go. Or just with motion by (laughs) mic. (laughs) With mic. We can bring our partners and
0: go on a road trip. All the Aperture 600X or whatever they're called. uh, And that would be cool
1: yeah yeah, just meeting cool people and filming mm-hmm. filming cool stories like it.
0: you're kind of close to doing that right now just kind of locally yeah,
1: less traveling but you know I think the more you do it the more avenues it'll open up to do that mm-hmm. in the future maybe so absolutely
0: do you have uh, Chris do you have any advice for aspiring DOPs or just kind of people who want to get into a similar realm that you're doing
1: yeah like I, I would say don't try and fast track it be patient mm-hmm because I think that's also kind of the detriment with like with YouTube and stuff. Like because there's so much stuff out there, um, everyone thinks they can just fast track to just doing the thing. Like you buy the camera, you're you're this person now. You can do the thing, but like yeah. you, you do it have happens, to. Like, but it doesn't. Yeah, and you know you, you can you can have a heart of gold and you can love it as much as you want, but if you don't have the technical knowledge to do the thing that you want to do, like mm-hmm. this impl- this applies to everything, yeah. not just DPing or whatever, but. Um, so yeah, meet, meet the people that you need to meet network, like crazy, like, Mm -hmm. like my buddy PL, he reached out to me through my mountain biking YouTube channel. And it just so happens that he was a DP and he's like, oh my God, you're a DP too. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, did we just become best friends? It was like a stepbrothers moment. (laughs) Um, and that guy reaches out to people like on Reddit, like he'll Mm -hmm. go from like city to city and he'll just try and connect with all the filmmakers around town. and, And, you know, so, you know, find people that you look up to and find people that, are doing things that you like like in a style that you like and you know see if you can tag along see if you can you know get some knowledge from them like Remy for example like he was like a fountain of knowledge for me in terms of like client relations and and aesthetics and just sort of like general like business know-how because he's like a very smart business person as well Mm -hmm. Um, and at the end of the day too like don't be a jerk. Like this is, t- I'm taking this from Remy too. He probably said this in the podcast. Well, it makes sense. You spend a lot of time with Remy. So yeah. like get where, and don't be a jerk and, and do good work basically, you know? Yeah. And like, even if your work is not the best, if you are a nice person, odds are the client will have you back in versus having someone else in who's like, kind of like pretentious and mm-hmm. never make the shoot about you. It's always about the client. It's always about mm-hmm. the bigger picture. Yeah. Don't let your ego sort of like stomp that out essentially
0: yeah no that's that's excellent advice the we, we live in a very fast-paced world where you get frustrated if a web page doesn't load in yeah. half a second and i like we're very conditioned for that kind of fast pace and myself included i'm not any better but i am a normally an impatient person me too yeah. i try to be better at it mm-hmm. i try to do things that slow me down and keep me you know,
1: presently here, yeah. this is one of those things. This yeah. conversation, <laughs> this is cool. I, I really like this. I wasn't sure, like I, no, I knew I was, I knew I was gonna like it, but like mm. being on a podcast is fun because I consume a lot of podcasts, and I think yeah. podcasts are like a great format for Content. people who like to. <laughs> <laughs> no, <sorry. laughs> people who like to do stuff simultaneously. Like I'm an audiobooks <laughs> podcast dude mm. because I, you know, like I'm cooking. Like I'll cook dinner. Like yeah. I'm the cook in our household, and you know, I go home from work. I'm still working. You know, I gotta cook. I gotta yeah. do stuff. So I gotta listen to something or. Read something at some point, so mm-hmm. I'm all about the audiobooks and podcasts, and That's I find funny. it's like a great way to get bite-sized info about whatever the heck. Yeah. You know,
0: if they're fun when you're like driving or oh, or driving too. Yeah, cutting right, co- cutting up clips. Yeah. I love like when I cut footage and I don't need I can't to do hear. it. Oh, f-
1: that's the, so nope. that's a, like, even this, footage that's b-roll no I can't do it you yeah. can't listen to anything no. while but cutting no. what I'm, are you doing silence dead silence oh, it's, it's, it kills me it's soul sucking <laughs> I that's the one thing I miss about photography and just doing photography is I could put on a Netflix or I could put on a podcast or I could put something on mm-hmm. and have that going at the same time but now yeah. I'm like I need every single ounce of my being to like <laughs> focus on doing video because I definitely have some sort of ADHD thing going on as well so. okay makes sense yeah like a lot of creatives I think uh, are in the same boat yeah,
0: bouncing off walls, yeah. starting five things, and
1: driving cars, driving cars, and riding bikes. Too down, many bikes down you have Too many bikes, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And I have too many cars. Um, yeah, man, it's been it's been fun to kind of chat with you about how you do things, what you do. I do see similarities, and I mean, in most people that we have on the show, I find so many. I find that we're very much more similar than we are different even though we are all doing different things when creativity is kind of like in the forefront of what you do a lot of us people people who like to be creative like we kind of share similar values and approaches and it's it's interesting to explore you know through this conversation as well kind of how you do things and um thank you thank you for being on the show thanks for your oh, time yeah, my to pleasure, be here, yeah. Man. yeah
1: it's been it's been a blast yeah
0: i have some fun questions great Hippie. These are, I'm gonna <laughs> I can't, there's one year I can't wait for, oh boy. Um, sunrise or sunset?
1: Sunrise. Nice.
0: Bright and airy or dark and moody? <laughs> I'm going to say dark and moody. <laughs> If you if you had to live your whole life bright and airy or dark and moody oh okay. this is just a follow up mm.
1: that I just came up with probably bright and airy then yeah. I don't want to live in the dark and moody uh, sphere yeah imagine
0: you go you're going to sleep trying to rest at night and everything's just bright and airy and you
1: like, can't sleep Oh, that'd be bad too I don't think there's <laughs> I don't think there's a,
0: no there's no way to live that yeah. cancel that question um, <laughs> if you had to use one focal length of lens for the next five years what are you using? thirty five okay yeah. 35 didn't or 40. Even, 35. Didn't even hesitate. When I was writing this question, I thought 35 as well.
1: I've got, I have 35 is my favorite focal length. Be it in APS-C crop mode or full mm-hmm. frame, I could use it either way, but I love it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, I wrote here mountain hike or ocean walk, but.
1: Kind of, oh, I mean, mountain hike, I mountain guess. Bike. Depends yeah. on the mountain, <laughs> it kind of yeah. looks like I a wrote mountain bike here. I always love a good excuse to roll my ankles, so. Shit. <laughs> 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 so you prefer the mountains over the ocean? Um, I'm fr- i like both. Usually mountains lead down to the ocean. Nice. I don't know. So you can
0: see the ocean from the mountains. Take some
1: philosophical something from that. If you want yeah. <laughs> Where
0: there's Co- quote there. that, I'm sure <laughs> Ryan will do something <laughs> fun with that. Oh God! And God. then the final question here, if you're sent to battle gladiator style, <laughs> what camera tool are you taking as a weapon?
1: Oh man, that's a great question.
0: It doesn't have to be a camera. It's not to no, be, no. it be peripherals, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your, what's your weapon of choice?
1: Ooh, Probably the C stand without the base. (laughs) It extends and it's heavy. I picked one up the other day and I was like, "Yeah, that could work." Just like
0: the 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 the, ball part, yeah, just that Part. Yeah, it's kind of.
1: I was thinking like or the arm, the The boom arm on a C stand.
0: That is Uh, hilarious. Can you imagine like gladiator style battle where like someone's holding (laughs) like a. A gimbal or
1: like the leg of a tripod yeah it is i mean a lot of those things are meant to hurt <laughs> the user not the not the person <laughs> not using them i feel like every time i try and set up something for set i'd like crush my fingers and something or i know got a bruise on my that, was, that was mountain bike related but anyway. crush your fingers or like i said i'm clumsy yeah and i got lots of it happens colors. i mean lots it's it's
0: quite a like like <clears> setting <throat> up all the lights and moving them around it's, yeah it's quite a lot
1: of Mm heavy-duty things that go on that's another thing too if you're gonna want to do the grip stuff like obviously try and go to the gym and be fit because Mm -hmm. the more fit you are the better you're gonna be able to yeah the more energy you're gonna have on set so i I definitely try and be as fit as i can to do what i gotta do it helps it helps
0: with stability too shooting handheld if you have good core strength you can hold a camera for longer and you're just kind of more stable but gripping is a really i i used to do a lot of gripping early on where I would just come in and shoot behind the scenes photos and grip and be double and it was crazy like 12 yeah. hours of work and you're nice. just like it, it was physically demanding but it was really cool because i'm just like sponge i'm like absorbing yeah. everything and then yeah. so that's a that's a cool way to kind of get into it but uh, absolutely yeah yeah thanks uh, that, was, that was a fun question <laughs> i like that c-stand versus have a battle after cool. what's yours what did you pick i was did gonna say the one? boom arm on a c-stand okay, okay. like the part that goes up but i You have a better... I'm looking at a C-stand right now. That's why I'm looking over there. But the part that extends... We can have a battle after this. Yeah. Maybe a C-stand with like something on the top of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a knuckle. Yeah. Just a little extra. The
0: the grip head. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many things you could use. What would you use? Let let us know what you... If you were to go to battle and you had to take a camera tool, a tripod, anything around the world of camera stuff what are you taking as a weapon and why let us know in the comments (laughs) you can let us know i think spotify might be the only place you can actually drop comments but just shoot us a message on instagram and
1: we'll feature them in another thing let's spin Uh, that question what would be the most helpful thing just in general if you were stuck on a desert island you need to like build something or make something or like just have something for support what would you bring oh crap spin it
0: like it's only one thing or can it be like a like
1: I mean, it could, well, it's like, it's one, one thing kind of, it could be like a roll of gaff tape. It could be like, you know, uh, I feel like it,
0: gaff tape could help like bringing like a string of gaff tape mm-hmm. where you can like actually use it to make a structure and stuff. Cause yeah. Gaff tape's pretty strong. Either that or like, um, what is it? Like, f- like, like six by six
1: frames and dollies and say, stuff that's like just to build. You bring a silk, you basically have a lean to. Yeah. yeah, and then you'd have a beautiful set, too, because yeah, you're diffusing. Exactly, this, yeah. You, just, this. you look so good under it, you know, but I'm so lost and so cold. Yeah, and there's <laughs> no case. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold, man. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks, for, uh, thanks to the listeners. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you did enjoy it, let us know what your favorite part was in the comments. And if you'd like to reach out, we have a Discord community. We have an email. All of that info will be down below, as well as Chris's info, as well as... Uh, midnight hour studios and the discount code all of that will be down in the description box below this has been episode 17 of the creatives we'll see you on the next one
1: thanks man for <laughs>